Hi, I'm Kristen Wagner, the Editor-in-Chief of Lehigh Valley Style. Welcome back to the LV Edit, where we take you behind the scenes at the magazine and celebrate life in the Lehigh Valley. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I'm joined by Veronica Moore. Veronica is the plant therapy advocate behind the Instagram account, Brown Skin Plant Mama, creator of the budding nonprofit Plant Therapy for Kids, co-host of the Plant Wind Down podcast, and she operates the Taste Smokers with her husband, Q. In this episode, we talk about all of this and more, including her advice for facing your fear and how she serves as an advocate for her community. The Taste Smokers is a Chicago-style barbecue restaurant in Southside Bethlehem and is highlighted in our current April edition of the magazine, so be sure to go read about their delicious offerings there. Now, let's get into the conversation. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Kristen. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to chat with you today. Um, Not only are you featured in our latest April edition as our inside dish, highlighting the Taste Smokers restaurant. Uh, but we've covered you editorially a lot over the years um, <laughs> for some of your other endeavors, including yeah. Alma and Eva, Brown Skin Plant Mama, and Plant Therapy for Kids. So I kind of want to talk to you about all of it today. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, Alma and Eva was our first introduction to you, I believe. Yeah, it Uh, was. Yeah, it was um, a personal development brand of yours at the time and focused on helping women move past their fears and seize their full potential. So you gave our readers advice for facing their fears in the Ask the Expert column of our October 2020 edition. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about fear, you use the acronym false evidence appearing real. Yep. And I can imagine that your approach to fear has helped you launch some of your current projects. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Kristen, I've lived so much of my um, childhood and teenage years and kind of half of my adulthood, I'll say living in fear. And so when it came time for me to really tackle and look head on <laughs> to what was, you know, holding me back and what my triggers were, um, kind of using the acronym for my own life has definitely assisted me in catapulting into the many different endeavors, some of which you've mentioned and others as well. Um, But for me, it was really about really honing in on what were the things that were holding me back inside of my head, right? So what was I believing that was true that was really a falsity? Um, What have I convinced myself of that I can't do that I really could if I just took the time to study my habits and really think about the limitations that I was putting on myself and how do I move that out of the way to really live according to my full potential. And so one of the things that really stood out to me in growing up and, um, you know, it it happened because of a traumatic experience that I had, like as a child, we hold on to so many things (laughs) um, that happen in our childhood through adulthood and they really limit us when we think back on it. So my whole fear 
that um, that I was dealing with at the time of really walking into this place with Alma and Eva and helping women um, really face the things that were holding them back was all based upon public speaking. I was terrified of speaking in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't really get that now because I've definitely practiced, um, you know, that art and I have really overcome myself and my own mindset as it as it related to that fear that I held on to for so long. Um, and I was tired of that crippling feeling. I was tired of being like super anxious and nervous and tripping over my words and sweating and, <laughs> and stuttering yeah. when I spoke in front of people. And I said, you know, I know that I have a message to share. I know that I have a gift to inspire other people. And so if I'm going to share with other women what they need to do to overcome their false evidence appearing real, Veronica, you can't stand here as a fraud. You need to do the work <laughs> that's necessary for you to be able to have your own testimony to show women what's possible. So, you know, once I did that, once I started volunteering for more opportunities to really get in front of people and speak, when I started to facilitate more in my higher ed um, career, when I started to hold leadership offices that um, in leadership roles that would require me to really face my fear head on and speak to audiences and speak to attendees attending conferences. Um, it wasn't until I fully walked into that and said, I'm no longer going to be held captive to this false evidence appearing real that I really was able to kind of see things change for myself. So um, when it comes to me having to deal with that, and overcoming that now I feel like I can do anything <laughs> and yes I still get nervous about certain things but when I say that that held me hostage for so long I mean it was grade school Kristen wow yeah I was like in I think it was seventh or eighth grade it was like a talent show and I freaked out and froze because mm -hmm. I got stage fright and you know kids can be mean sometimes and so my peers were not very nice to me in that situation and so I held on to that um, I didn't think that I was capable of kind of facing that before. So, right. So would you say then that really what it takes is like recognizing the fear and that it is just something that's false and in your own head. And then like you took the actual steps to do exactly what you were afraid of. Is that kind of the, the strategy, I guess? Absolutely. Right. I think that it, it was helpful for me to say, OK, the limitation was there. I never had to think about what it was. I tried to run away from it many times, but it's like, girl, you know what you're running away from. <laughs> so I had to really say, OK, Veronica, this is what it is. What are you going to do about it? And it took time. It wasn't like a magical, like snap of the finger. And then I was kind of out of that mindset. Every single opportunity that I had to take, whether that was studying the material in depth, right? And making sure that I didn't mess any of the script up in terms of facilitating, you know, educational content, um, whether it was really listening to what it is that I was saying and not trying to rush through what I'm talking about in order to just get it done. Right. So for me, it was taking time, studying what it is that was really limiting me, taking practical steps in order to address those things and then implementing it and then starting to practice over and over and over again, because I do have situations where I'm able to address different audiences, whether that be virtual or in person where I do have to say, you got this, Veronica, right? Like, remember the work that you've been doing. Remember that you have a word to share and that you 
are worthy of being able to provide this gift to other people. Um, And so when I knew that I had a responsibility to empower others and to really show my own journey in that, um, it was powerful for me. And I think that once I acknowledged it, started to walk into that, that's when things started to change full circle. Yeah, that that's amazing. And I mean, you've done that in so many ways now. I, I want to get into Brown Skin Plant Mama, which (laughs) I mean, has quite the, the presence. I mean, you have nearly 13,000 people who are following you and that's huge. So for our (laughs) listeners who may not be familiar, can you tell them a little bit about the mission behind Brown Skin Plant Mama? Sure. Um, so Brown, Brown Skin Plant Mama was born out of the pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> in April of 2020. And really, it started as a way for me to share my love for houseplants um, and to share, you know, the pretty pictures, uh, the hand post pictures <laughs> of the plants that I had acquired, um, not only during the pandemic, but before then, because I, um, you know, I grew up in the garden, I grew up around houseplants, so it's not and that's foreign to me. But what I wanted to do um, with this account was just to showcase my love for plants. Now, something that was unique in this situation, and I don't think that you know this, Chris, and I haven't really shared this publicly um, yet, but when I was still doing Alma and Eva, which I am no longer doing anymore, I transitioned out of that role. Um, Right. I was planning our third annual Passion and Purpose in Action Women's Empowerment Summit for the Lehigh Valley. And it was supposed to happen in May of 2020 and the pandemic happened. And so it it took everything away, right? And I, I mourned that, right? I was grieving because this was my baby. But I also, even coming up to the point of that conference, I had gotten a little bit drained with coaching women. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is getting this is getting more. uh, This is becoming um, more of a hassle, if I'm being honest, than, you know, something that's enjoyable. So I knew that something was coming up, but I I couldn't pinpoint it. Right. I didn't know. None of us knew that the pandemic was happening or was going to happen. So as I was transitioning into this new space of brown skin plant mama, which I did not expect for it to grow the way that it has grown now, (laughs) I was saying goodbye to Alma and Eva and I was pouring Mm -hmm. myself into plants. I was pouring myself into getting over grieving the sudden death of my sister um, two years prior. And so um, I started to share my plants on the page, but then I I got a chance to really realize that I was going to traditional talk therapy for a year prior to the pandemic happening. And it was really helpful for me to overcome that grief. But as the pandemic happened and the shutdown was upon us, I had started to really get back into caring for my plants and really being outside and in the garden. Um, And traditional talk therapy was replaced by plant therapy. But during that journey, I had came to grips with the fact that, oh my goodness, this is actually happening. My relationship with my counselor was ending for good reasons. We had made a lot of progress, <laughs> um, but she and I agreed that it was no longer for me to, no longer necessary for me to see her as frequently as we had been. It was every two weeks. And she said to me at the time, you know, Veronica, you've been spending your time with your plants and it seems like, you know, plant therapy has really taken um, its course and it has been replaced Um, has replaced, you know, our traditional talk therapy we've been doing for every two weeks. And I said, you know what, you're right. 
Um, so once I realized that, I said, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm no longer going to just post like these pictures of the plants with my brown skin hand, right? <laughs> so brown skin right. plant mamas, because I'm a black woman, brown skin plant mama, you put it all together, brown skin plant mama. <laughs> Um, and so what I did was on that page, I can't remember the actual date. I would have to look, go back and look, but, um, I had probably about maybe 15 to 20 pictures up of plants before I showed my face. And I had no intention on showing my face on this platform because it was a way for me to be creative without the pressure of like having to perform or whatever, or having to like be the face of something. Right. But, kind of like the pressure that had become too draining with Alma and Eva. <laughs> Exactly. Right. It was yeah. like I was always at the forefront. But what I realized was that plants really healed me. And I also saw how it was healing my daughter through the process. And I said, you know what? I can't be a person who knows that my gift on this earth is to empower other people and not share this message of how grief um, has really kind of taken its turn by me caring for my plants. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. But I chickened out almost. So I did like this profile where I was like, kind of blurred but you saw my face and I shared a little bit about my journey and then I got some reactions to that post and I was like all right Veronica stop playing with yourself and so I posted my whole face right and I introduced myself to my platform you know brown skin plant mama the plant therapy advocate um, I believe that plants heal when I did that Kristen my account just flourished into something totally different that post wow. alone, people were like, oh, my goodness, I've been following you. I've been waiting to see your face. I've wanted to see your face for a very long time. The very first person who came on my page and said that was the Bloom Journey. And she's another plant enthusiast um, on Instagram as well. She's like my sister. I love her dearly. Um, okay. But she said, oh, my goodness, I've been waiting to see who this person, who this brown skin plant mama is. And I was like, all right, well, here I am. But then people started to, to comment on the post and other pictures that plants really helped me through my grief as well. Plants really helped me through depression. Plants really helped me when I had to transition jobs, when I lost my job. Plants really helped me, you know, just be able to center myself and have alone time with myself every day. And I said, wow, this is really, this is really amazing. You know, and yeah. my mother would always say that being in her garden is therapeutic, but I did not understand it until this journey with brown skin plant mama. And so it's really a space and a page that encourages people to utilize plants um, and gardening as a, as a way to um, relieve stress, as a way to therapy. Um, and it really is a place that I like to have fun, right? Um, mm -hmm. I like to show my personality there, but I also use it as a place to advocate, right? Also for um, Black creators and people who are doing amazing things and creating amazing content. And so before all of this brown skin plant, Mama Alma and Eva, all of those things, I'm an activist at heart, right? And I'm a community um, member at heart. And I like to ensure that justice is always at the forefront um, and the crux of anything that I do. So that's kind of the gist of how brown skin plant mama came to be. That's incredible. And I, I remember you saying some of those same things when we talk about uh, the taste smokers. And I, I really want to get into um, community advocacy and, and all of that. But first, can you share a little bit about plant therapy and like the healing power of plants and what are some of the physical, emotional and, and spiritual benefits of taking care of plants? Yeah. Um, spiritual and emotional, you get to pause, right? 
throughout the day, when you're paying attention to what's happening with the plants, when you're paying attention to how it's growing, paying attention to even if there's issues or problems, right, that the plant is not doing well, you're able to really just take a moment to say, let me study what's happening, right? And that gets our mind in a place of proper care and development. And it actually turns into a way for us to self-care, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm taking a moment to pause, to meditate every single morning. If you saw my room and I'm actually looking at this plant stand as I'm talking to you right now, but I wake up and there's green things all around me. Scientifically proven that the color green um, really uh, sparks calmness, right? Um, Joy, happiness. The color green is very therapeutic in nature itself. Um, But then when you think about what are the properties and elements that are available outside, Mother Earth is a beautiful thing, right? When we think about Lakota um, and Native American, excuse me, culture, um, they talk about that we are one with the earth, right? And so we are made to be um, curators and and developers and carers of the land, Matakio Yosun. And so when you put your hands into the soil outside, it actually has healing properties in the soil, Right. There's a bacterium in the soil that is an anti-inflammatory. Right. So if there are things that are happening in your body, those um, bacterium that's happening in the soil are actually healing properties to people putting their hands in the soil and getting dirty. Right. When people say, get your hands in the soil, get dirty. It feels good. Um, And a lot of people don't realize that. Right. Right. Is that what we need on Earth to really heal our own bodies is already here. Right. Like just at our fingertips we just have to get familiar with the fact that it's there um and not be so afraid of getting our hands in the soil right being afraid of the worms <laughs> that are in the soil a lot of people are like no there's earthworms in the soil and they're doing mm-hmm. wonderful and beautiful things right they're fertilizing our soil naturally um they're providing in and uh, preparing the ground for us to plant things there um, because they're loosening up the, the, the ground and the soil in the dirt um, in order to prepare for any crops that will go there. And when you think about the worms and what they dispose of from their bodies, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's a natural fertilizer, right? Um, and so when you think about plant therapy, um, also, and a lot of people don't know that occupational therapy is also another way, f- you know, for people to get involved with plant therapy. It really is a way for people to de-stress, um, right? A lot of people with chronic illness or chronic pain will use plant therapy to get their bodies moving um, and to not be stagnant. Right. And so there are so many things that we can do every single day, um, you know, for me and myself, during the winter season, I suffer from um, seasonal depression, right? Um, things are dark, things aren't growing. Even when you go outside and you look at things growing on the trees, right? You look at the um, the hostas that are coming up out of the ground and you're like, oh my goodness, spring is here. The mood that you have when you see growing things it lightens your mood, like automatically. You just feel good. When you see the sun shining, you feel good, right? Nature is really a part of our feeling. It totally changes how you feel. Um, You know, if it's a a rainy day in the summertime, you're like, oh, it's dreary. And then you see a peak of the sun come out on that same day. And you're like, oh, it's time to go outside. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's it's really, um, you know, innate within us to be one with nature. So tell people a lot. 
that when you look around, when you breathe in the air, when you look at the trees, when you are browsing the greenhouse, um, when you are planting and prepping the soil, just have an opportunity to see and feel what's happening with your body. And I, I guarantee you that if you take that moment of pause while you're doing that, you will recognize that your mood has a lot to do with the surroundings, right? Your sensories that you have like in your bodies and the touch of things, right? Really affects how it is that you're able to navigate and move around. Um, and so I always tell people, just give it a try. You don't have to have a green thumb per se. You don't have to be a master at gardening to get the benefits of plant therapy just a little bit at a time. Um, you know, and even I used to, before I, you know, acquired over a hundred plants in my house, I used mm -hmm. to, go to a uh, Home Depot or Lowe's or Dan Shantz and um, I would just walk around because seeing things growing and seeing the green things provided me with a minute to just be calm and to really just take it all in. Um, and that's why a lot of people go for walks, right? You see people who they go for a walk, they feel good. They're watching what's happening. They see the bees flying. They see things growing, flowers, you know, flourishing and the different colors and, um, it's beautiful. I can talk about it on and on if you can't tell. But... Yeah, I, I love it. I, I think it's so powerful. And, and what you said about like really paying attention to what you're doing while you're gardening, I feel like that's kind of the key to anything in life is being really intentional about it and really present and connecting. So yes, I, I really love that. And I have, I've I've started walking, like I'm trying to do 10,000 steps a day and we're taking our dog Coda with us around the neighborhood. And it's so true what an impact it can have if you're like in a funk and you're totally mm -hmm. just feeling down and sluggish and cranky. And then you, you go for, you know, we'll do like a 40 minute loop and it totally changes your whole energy. So yeah. it, I agree. It's super powerful. It is really um, powerful. And can you talk a little bit, you mentioned your daughter and the healing that you saw happening for her. And yeah. um, I know we highlighted plant therapy for kids in the magazine and how yeah. you've, you know, created that nonprofit and, and implemented it at her school. So share a little bit about that. Sure. No problem. Um, so it's a budding nonprofit, almost there. Um, okay. But what I noticed with Hunter, um, my daughter's name is Hunter and she's five currently. Um, she'll be six in June. But she really had um, she had a hard time adjusting to the pandemic. It happened so fast. She wasn't able to see her friends. She wasn't able to see her cousins. She couldn't go to the park. A lot of the things that we would love to do with her, um, she she just couldn't do. Things were locked down. Um, and at that point in time during the pandemic, no one knew what was ahead of us. No one knew what was going to happen. We were just taking things day by day. Right. But every single thing that we would say to her when she would ask us, she do something was, no, we can't, honey. We're sorry. We can't. We can't. No, 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 no. Because of the germs, because of the virus. And yeah. she was just like, oh, my goodness. Um, so she really had a hard time with it. But what I noticed was that as you know, we realized what was happening was that we weren't going to be able to go anywhere, right? That the only stores that were open were like the grocery stores, the nurseries, uh, you know, Lowe's, Home Depot. Right. We might as well start to do some things um, in the backyard. So we started to grow our food. Um, and my daughter was so excited when she saw the soil being poured into one of our garden beds. And she was like, oh, my goodness, 
mommy, look. And she just, she immediately went and stuck her hands in the soil and just oh. got super excited. And she also got super dirty, um, but it was okay. <laughs> but I was like, man, that's so amazing because it reminded me of how I would get excited to help my mom in our garden when I was a young girl. Um, but she was a very curious about how things grew and the tomato plants were fascinating for her because she was like, well, I see a fruit on here. And I was like, well, you can't pick it yet. And she's like, well, mm-hmm. I see it growing. Um, why can't I pick it? I'm like, you have to wait until it turns red or yellow. We had a right. different color of tomato plants in the backyard. So, um, you know, explaining that to her. And then when she saw her first strawberry on the plant and it, you know, growing and she saw it red, she was just fascinated. By, oh, my goodness. We, these are the things that are in the grocery store. And I was like, oh, no, ma'am, honey, they start here first (laughs) before, right? Like they start out in the fields um, before they reach the grocery stores. But she was really intrigued by that. So she started to help me in the garden. Um, She started to help me when it's time to go and pick things. Um, She really liked to help me water the plants and name the plants um, or learn the name of the plants. And she would go with me to the, to the greenhouses and things like that also. So it was a way for me to at least get her out and about and doing some things. So because she enjoyed that so much, it was time for her to go back to school. Um, and she had enrolled in Swain and was going in August or September, 2020. So I knew how, um, I knew how impactful caring for our garden and plants were for Hunter. And so I wanted to just gift the uh, pre-K class at the time with houseplants, just small little pothos plants that they could take care of. And maybe they can see things that um, relate to how they care for things, uh, how they care for themselves and how that applies to plant care, right? The things that they are learning in school, how that applies to caring for a plant, discipline, uh, responsibility, regimen, um, you know, nutrition, all the things that we need in our bodies that plants also need. And so I got permission to do that from her teacher and the other teacher. So um, myself, along with my friend, Jenny, who owns the Curious Plantsaholic, we gifted the pre-K class plants. And um, I went to post in the um, Parents of Swain Facebook group. And I said, hey, you all, um, I gifted these plants for the pre-K class. I found that my daughter really resonated with plant care and gardening over the summer. And maybe your kids could pick it up too. Just saying this might be helpful for your kids. And out of the blue, the the post went viral. I had probably about 25 different parents on there. Like, Oh my goodness, I want to sponsor this grade. I want to sponsor this grade. And so now we're like, Oh, okay. Okay. So all the kids are going to be sponsored. This was definitely just, you know, something that I wanted to do for the pre-K class. Um, but it took off. And so we, yeah, we had gifted over 230, um, young kids at Swain school with houseplants, um, last year. And so it was something that, um, really took off there and we even raised money for um, one of the fundraisers that Swain um, did every year to build garden beds so we're going to be doing that soon um, we raised over three thousand dollars to build some garden beds for the lower school so that they could you know implement that into their teaching and when the kids are outside having their playtime that they get to see the garden and see things growing Um, So that was something that I did at Swain and also had an opportunity to work with um, the Matos Foundation um, in South Bethlehem to gift house plants for the classroom at Fountain Hill Elementary School. Okay. Um, So that was really, uh, really 
cool to do. And my goal is for, um, you know, me to be able to gift houseplants, just small, like little starter plants. Um, my favorites are philodendron. So it's probably what they'll be, but to the entire mm-hmm. Bethlehem community. Um, right. So I'm working on some things to potentially um, hopefully be able to work with the library um, and some other community initiatives to give out free plants to, to kids and um, just the community overall. So what I'm finding is that, you know, what I started as plant therapy for kids is really blossoming into something um, for the community. And I've had an opportunity twice now to go up to Lehigh University to present to those um, students there also. Amazing. And I mean, so anyone who's listening and is like, oh my gosh, I want to help her do this. How can listeners help make this a a reality of being able to gift house plans to the whole Bethlehem community? Yeah. So um, if you're interested, you can definitely email me at brownskinplantmama at gmail.com. I do have a business PayPal account um, and a business account that I use to um, fund um, any donations or anything that I'm just raising money for out of my own pocket um, to secure the plants. I have a, an amazing supplier um, who gets the plants for me. But if you're looking to be involved in any way, shape or form, you can reach me at brownskinplantmama at gmail.com. Perfect. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe once you conquer Bethlehem, we can tackle the whole Lehigh Valley. I know, right? That's a goal. <laughs> Lofty goal. <laughs> yeah, that that would be amazing. Yeah. So you're also the co-host of the Plant Wind Down podcast. So yep. share a little bit about how that came to be and what can listeners expect when they tune in? Yeah, the Plant Wind Down podcast is really just an opportunity for one of my good friends, um, Jade and I. She has a podcast called... Um, the black plant chick. And, um, she reached out to me. I had co-hosted her uh, podcast last February, um, of 2021. Um, and so we, we really just vibed and, and hit it off, um, by meeting each other on Instagram in the plant community. We like to be supportive of each other, <laughs> but she yeah. reached out. Yeah. She reached out to me and she said, you know, I really want to do a project with you. I think that we should co-host a podcast together, but I want it to be, um, I want plants to be kind of like on, the sidelines, right? People know that we're plant enthusiasts. They know that we love plants. They know the plants are important in our lives. But I wanted to talk about just like common things, right? What's happening in the world? What are some trendy things that are occurring? What are some hard conversations that we need to have? Um, so it's really just two plant enthusiasts talking about what it's like to live life according to, to our standards. Um, so you can hear us talking about anything from popular culture to plant care to relationships to, um, you know, anything in between business ownership, um, you name it. Um, it's just a way for us to connect to a different um, audience of folks, but always with the crux of us being um, plant folks. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone listening to this has to go over to the plant wind down and please do. Yeah, hear more from you there. But you've definitely got your hands full. And as we mentioned, one of your latest endeavors is the Taste Smokers, which began as a food truck in 2018 and opened as a brick and mortar restaurant in Southside Bethlehem. Was that late 2021? Is that when? Yeah, we uh, opened on the Southside October of 2021. Okay. 
Yeah. And you shared with me and our readers when we did our first write up about the opening that the pandemic was really debilitating on the business and that you and your husband Cortez uh, took a leap of faith when the community action committee of the Lehigh Valley approached you about uh, the community leasing program. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, when things happened with the pandemic in March of 2020, um, it, I think we had an event. The um, Our last event was St. Patrick's Day weekend. Um, and even things up until that point were very unsure. And so, you know, there was a point in time where all things were closed. All restaurants had to close. We weren't even permitted to um, do anything in terms of takeout. Um, so as things started to evolve, there were businesses who had brick and mortars. They were able to um, open and do takeout, but we didn't have that, right? Like we had our right. food truck. Um, we didn't have normal hours. We would pop up at the breweries and the wineries. That was the way that people would know how to come and get our food. Um, but we didn't have that, right? So we had to be innovative and say, okay, well, we've done pre-orders before, so we're going to have to do a pre-order situation um, in order to sustain ourselves. So we did that um, for a couple of times, and then we had new Um, restrictions put in place in terms of even being able to pop up at the breweries and the wineries was that food had to be present in order for them to serve, right? So when we think about our business model at that time, um, it was a limitation for us, right? Um, We did have to close for months at a time. And that was even before the, um, the pandemic assisted unemployment, right? Because at first the unemployment was just for those who were working, I'm going to say traditional jobs because that's what they are. Right. (laughs) Um, Right. Right. And so gig workers were not included in that assistance in terms of being able to supplement any income that had just stopped full halt, right? Like no income coming in. Um, And so we had to shut down for a couple of months. Um, So once we got, you know, our, our rhythm in terms of putting on uh, pre-order events, which um, when we did it for the first time, it was a great response. I mean, people in the community were really gracious to small businesses at that time. They knew that we weren't able to survive like some of the big box stores um, and some of the chain restaurants and things of that nature. So people in the Lehigh Valley really came through um, and supported small businesses and especially the food um, vendors. You know, there were many times that people didn't even buy food. They just wanted to give money because they knew that we had to make a living, right? We had to make ends meet. Um, So we're definitely very grateful for those um, folks who supported us during that time. Um, So, you know, fast forward through 2020, um, you know, we were moving and shaking and then we had the, you know, the restriction that was placed upon us later on in that year, right? With things being um, minimized in terms of capacity issues. So we said, all right, 2020 is over. (laughs) We're looking forward to 2021. (laughs) What are we going to, what's going to be, right? Because we were still, everyone was still in limbo in terms of the status of the pandemic. Um, But we were approached by the director of the CACLV. Um, She met my husband outside one day and was like, hey, this program coming up. I want you all to consider um, what it would look like to open a brick and mortar. And, you know, the easiest thing would, would be for it to be turnkey. And when my husband brought it to me, I was like, do you remember our 2020? Are you crazy? You th- <laughs> a brick and mortar? And so he was like, we have to leap now. Like, we have to take the opportunity now because it's not going to be presented to us in this way again. Um, and right. I don't want to think, what if we had have done it? And so we're going to do it. I said, all right. 
So we went through the process of looking at some commercial spaces. And even that was a little bit tricky because when he told me about the program in early January, um, there were tons and tons of commercial properties on the market. Um, And once the program was announced, it was like February the first weekend in February was announced. We went back and this is within a two week span. We went back and looked at the commercial spaces and there were like four listings. Wow. <laughs> None wow. of them being turnkey restaurants. Um, so we were like, okay, this is going to be difficult. So we looked at a property on the North side of Bethlehem and there's, there was territory that you had to be within for this program to um, be beneficial to you. So we were looking at a spot over on the North side of Bethlehem. Um, and then something just kept telling me to look at this place on the South side of Bethlehem. When Q and I were talking about where we would ideally want to be, we said, all right, if it's going to be on the South side of Bethlehem, it needs to be at this location in this building. And this is before we even knew that there was a space available where we are now. Oh, wow. So we were like, all right, we're just going to call it out. We're going to manifest this. This is what's yeah. going to happen. We were at the location on, on the North side. And I told our commercial um, brokers who are amazing NAI summit, please look for them for your commercial um, resale okay. space needs. They're amazing. NIA summit. Um I told her, you know, could you look at this space over in the Polk Street building and the space that I had thought we were going to look into was occupied, but it was still listed. Um, and she took us into a space that was next door. So we walked into the space and you've been inside, Kristen, so you know exactly yeah. the feel of what I'm talking about. You walk into the space, yes. you see the black steel beams and it looks like you're on the inside of a pit. <laughs> so <laughs> when you walk in, my husband was like, this is this is it. This is the space. Um, we knew we wanted it. We went through the process of, you know, going back and forth with um, negotiations um, and things of that nature. Went, you know, trying to find commercial builders, um, trying to get our permits and everything with the city of Bethlehem. It was an entire ordeal. Um, but we finally got it done. And so what you see now at 318 East Third Street is uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of labor, a lot of tears, a lot of frustration, um, but a dream, right, for us to be more than just a restaurant, but an experience and an incubator for other folks who, you know, want to do something similar or um, want to do something completely different. We just want to be able to utilize our resources that we have um, in the community to help other people. Amazing. And yeah, I mean, the space is great. It's You're in such a great spot and it's such a cool vibe inside. Um, And I want to get into what you just said about like more than a restaurant. I know you've said it's a vehicle and an incubator for change and Mm -hmm. and development. And as we referenced earlier, uh, you and your husband, Q, uh, you describe yourselves as community advocates. And yeah, you want the restaurant to serve as an incubator for others looking to get into the food industry or or just explore entrepreneurship. So tell us a little bit about like how you're doing that? Um, You know, a couple of different ways. We host different events, um, social events in the space. Um, We just had a live podcast in the space. We have our own um, dinner nights where we may feature a different menu item that's not usually available to the public. And we have music and different artists to come in and showcase um, their artistry, which is really important to us because we're artists in nature also. 
Um, you know, but when you think about even the work that we were doing before we had the Taste Smokers brick and mortar, we were doing community work with the Sixth Street Shelter in Allentown. We were doing work with Turner Point of the Lehigh Valley, um, you know, in, in ensuring that we are giving back to the community in which we reside. It's really important for us to even continue to help those who are around us. So, you know, a lot of times we will make sure that the men at the Victory House um, have food, right? Um Last November, we uh, gave out, I think it was probably over 100 um, Thanksgiving meals to, um, there is, please, I, I can't even remember the name of the the um, apartment on 4th Street. Okay. Um, I'll get you the name of that later. You yeah. can put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. But we also <laughs> delivered, um, you know, Thanksgiving meals to the Victory House again, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, when we're asked to be a part of anything that's happening in terms of advocating for justice or the right thing to do in South Bethlehem, we're at the crux of that, um, you know, whether that's serving on committee for the city of Bethlehem um, or ensuring that, you know, people know about our service and donating food and services to um, different community agencies we always try to make sure that we are giving um before we are receiving and i i do believe that that is one of the reasons that we're so blessed um and continue to have the opportunities that we do it's super super admirable and i commend you guys so much for the way you're doing that um thank you yeah and i mean everyone can read about the restaurant's delicious offerings in our latest edition but Maybe you can give us a little taste here about some of your specialties and um, you can describe Chicago style barbecue a little bit. Yeah. So a lot of people come in. The brisket is popular. <laughs> the brisket is popular. The ribs are popular. Um, lots of people come in for our mac and cheese also. Um, and you can get that topped with our smoked meats that we have available. Um, one of the things that I really enjoy um, on our menu that we have, because a lot of people do not have it, um, and they're shocked that we do, is smoked salmon. Um, so, you know, yeah. usually you have it sliced really thinly or, you know, with locks and the bagels and, and things of that nature. But um, we serve it a little bit differently. And so people are um, really amazed at the flavor that comes with the salmon um, and the fact that we have it as an offering. So those are a couple of things that people can look forward to um, when they're coming. And then when you think about Chicago barbecue, it really is a fusion, right, of all of the barbecue meccas that you think of, um, especially in the Midwest region. Um, and when you go to different areas of Chicago, you know, you have some barbecue joints that will slather it in sauce, right? That's just the way that they serve it. And you have some who do not do that at all. And you get to taste the flavor of what the smoked meats are with just a dry rub. And that's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that we don't use sauce, right? Our sauce is always optional at the Taste Smokers. Um, Q spends a lot of time curating and making sure that our rubs are, are per perfect to um, each of the proteins that we have, right? So we have a rib rub, we have a brisket rub, we have a pork rub, we have a chicken rub. Um, and for us, it's about being able to taste the flavor of the meats um, with that technique versus having um, any type of sauce to mask the flavor or cover up the flavor. And that's just me talking about what we prefer, right? So that's no shade to anybody else who may do that. Um, <laughs> but the way that we prepare and smoke our meats is just, you know, how we've been doing it for years, how our families uh, trained and raised us to, um, to cook and smoke meat. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's delicious. We 
picked up an order to do um, a few more photos uh, for the magazine. And so I got to sample a little bit and it's all so good. And the other mm -hmm. thing is that like once it's gone, it's gone at the restaurant, right? Because yeah, you, you sell can't out, just you sell out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it is such a process, right? I mean, I think in the article we said that there's about 300 pounds of meat that you're smoking for 30 hours. Um, yep. And so you can't just go back and and whip something up really quick. It, it's exactly you gotta get it while you can. <laughs> you got to get it while you can, and that's barbecue culture wherever you go. Um, you know, a lot of times when you go to Texas or even down south, um, the hours will say 11 to sell out. <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah. that's just that's just what it is. And so, um, you know, we're we're implementing that culture here and having people realize that that's what barbecue culture is. Um, right. And, you know, some folks understand some folks are like, oh, man, but. Uh, they always come back to visit us again. We always tell them, come back and see us next week. And this is what time you need to show up if you want brisket ribs or whatever else you're looking for. Right. It's just reason to come on back. Yeah. So I want to ask you, what advice would you have for someone who is listening to this and feeling inspired to dive into a new business venture or launch a side hustle, but kind of doesn't know where to start? Um, I mean, you... Like, how have you balanced all of your endeavors? Because I know when our writer <laughs> interviewed you for our April edition, you had your newborn with you and, yeah. and you have a five going on six year old. It, it's it's a lot. So for someone listening, like what advice would you have? Um, start saying yes to the things that you absolutely want to and start saying no to the things that are taking up too much energy that you're not really invested in. Right. Um, I had to start saying no to a lot of things in order to get to the yes, in order to make sure that what it is that I was doing was impactful across the board that, you know, I wasn't making sacrifices in vain and that my family was not, um, compromised in any way. Um, and I think that it's also helpful, you know, for me in particular, this is our situation, but we involve our family in the things that we do, right? We involved our daughter in um, the things that we do. And even when we started to taste smoker, she was, you know, out there with us. We want her to see what's possible. We want her to know that her family owns a restaurant and that she's a part of it. Um, and so it's really helpful to have that support and backbone to anything that you're doing. But if you are not in a situation where you have a family, um, ensure that you're around the right people to help you bring your dream and vision to fruition. Right. Um, I think it's really important to be mindful of the company that you keep, the energy mm -hmm. that you keep, um, and also utilize the resources that are available to you. There are tons of free resources available in the Lehigh Valley to help individuals get started, to start businesses, and to um, really uh, kick off any type of endeavor that they want to do, whether it be a nonprofit, a small business, um, a project, right, a community initiative. There are so many people here that want to see good be done and they're willing to assist and help. Um, but you have to be willing to put yourself out there and ask the right questions, ask for the individuals that you should be talking to, putting yourself in places where the movers and shakers are, right, the people who are doing the things that you aspire to be. Reach out to them. Introduce yourself. Um, get outside of your comfort zone and step outside of the false evidence appearing real, right? So we have to bring that back around full circle. Yeah. Get outside the fear um, that you might be having um, and the self-limits and beliefs and, and truly work on your own individual um, personal development to overcome any obstacles that 
may be in front of you, especially the ones that we place there that are that have nothing to do with anyone else. That is just such great advice. I love every bit of it. Um, I think you've given us so much inspiration today. And thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that's a great way to to end it. But before we do, um, we end every episode by sharing a recent experience we've had locally. It could be something you did or someone you met or somewhere you went. Um, for me, the style team, we were invited to attend the soft opening of the PA house, which is a oh, new restaurant yeah. in Hellertown. Yeah, it's actually, um, we featured the owners in our May edition, which has begun to hit newsstands and subscriber mailboxes. Awesome. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had Aperol spritzes and wood-fired pizza and um, a really great evening. So yeah, it's not open to the public yet, but I would totally recommend checking it out once I'm they are. I'm looking forward to I saw that um, a couple... I saw it last week, actually. And yeah. the funny, funny story is that our when we first had our mobile pit, um, we were located in the parking lot right across the street from them. Oh, my gosh. No way. <laughs> we popped up in that Water Street parking lot by the yeah. uh, by the self-storage. Uh, that's where we were. But that looks like a really dope place. We were looking forward to checking that out and meeting the yeah. owners. Yeah. And I mean, that was it was like an auto garage first. Right. And now yeah. they transformed it. So really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. What a small world. Yep. How about you, V? Anything come to mind? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to have to say an event that we hosted at our space. And not just because it's our space, but I think it's probably one of the first events um, of its kind. Um, we did a yeah. live podcast uh, at our space and it featured a brunch. We partner with Roasted um, Bethlehem in Bethlehem on, on 4th Street. Yeah. Um, for the menu items and um, had an amazing uh, experience. We actually hosted the podcast Official Brunch Boys and they just won. Um, yeah. Best podcast of the <laughs> Lehigh They Valley, did. Cool. Love um, them. And you won best social media account for the second yeah. year in a row. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's exciting. But my husband put together the show, um, had a lineup of artists and it was just a wonderful it was a wonderful example, wonderful example, excuse me, of what it is that we say when we're saying that we're more than just a restaurant. It's an experience. Right. So that's what it was. It was Love cool. Love it. Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. More more things like that to come, hopefully. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh, well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, let listeners know where they can follow you on social, find the taste smokers, brown skin plant mama, learn yeah. more about plant therapy for kids, listen <laughs> to the, the plant things. wind down, <laughs> all of the things. All the things. So you can yeah. find me on Instagram at brown skin plant mama. You can also find the plant wind down on Instagram, also plant therapy for kids on Instagram and the taste smokers on Instagram. If you're looking to uh, um, come out to the restaurant, we are at 318 East third street on the South side arch district. Uh, we can't wait to see you. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. V. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Kristen, for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Veronica and our last episode for the month of April. I'm super excited about our first guest for next month, so be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss it. You can expect new episodes of the LV Edit every other Wednesday. 
Until then, follow me at LVStyleKristen on Instagram. I'll talk to you soon.